This is Adria Wilkins. Welcome to Look Out for Joy. I want you to gather teenagers, friends that have teenagers, share it with teenagers, share it with friends that have teenagers. The story you will hear today from Becky Carpenter from Texas, a state that we have loved and lived in for uh, many years and then moved to Virginia now. But Becky is going to share a story today that will move you, that will inspire you, that will make you stop and think. And I truly believe that your life will be changed from hearing Becky's story today. I I try to tell people, especially new members of this club, that, you know, everybody grieves differently and there's no really right or wrong way. And uh, the encouraging part is we have a father who is close to the brokenhearted, as you know. Mm -hmm. And I think if we, if we focus on him, um, regardless of how far in the ditch we are, he's going to pull us out. You know, he, he allows us to stay there for a little while, but when we intentionally make that choice that we have to get up because if we're still, if we, if we're here talking like you and I are, and we have oxygen in our lungs, we have a purpose yes. and we have to yes. embrace that purpose. Um, and all that comes with grief, as you know, there's no playbook, but I think the thing that we, we come to realize is we have a choice. We have to be intentional in choosing to move forward, which is, you know, the name of our, our ministry that God gave us that was birthed out of this tragedy is One Day Closer Ministries. And One Day Closer was actually a mama prayer from me. I would wake up every morning and I would just thank the Lord, I, you know, because you, you probably remember when, when you're when you're new and everything's hot and fresh and you're you're just in a daze and all of that you you don't have any pretty prayers you know what I mean like some of my prayers were like help me or Jesus and we know there's power in the name of Jesus because he knows our heart but one of those simple prayers is was I would just wake up and I'd say thank you Lord for bringing me one day closer mm. and mm-hmm. I think from the very beginning he placed in me, the his, his undeniable presence was there uh, from the moment I got to the scene of the, the accident. And so he immediately kind of gave me a choice and I didn't realize it at the time, but it was like, you know, you're going to either get bitter or you're going to get better. You're going to invite others to walk with you through this or you're going to withdraw. And I'm so thankful that his presence was so there that, you know, scripture, there's so many scriptures about keeping our eyes on the Lord. And one of the ones that, that we've kind of embraced with one day closer is, is Proverbs 425. And it says, let your eyes look straight forward, fix your gaze directly before you. And if you, if you do that, even something as, as traumatic as the tragic loss of a child you're living forward, you know, you, you are loving forward, you're living forward. And as a, as a sweet friend of mine, uh, she wrote a book and it's called grieving forward. And so you can even grieve forward, like Susan Duke says in her, in her book. Um, So one day closer is looking ahead that we can get through these circumstances and and the irony of, of that little statement that has now gone into a ministry is the Lord places me in all different types of groups to speak. A lot of it's ladies groups and and just regular church groups and a lot of youth groups um, because my daughter was a teenager and she has just such a funny story about her. And so uh, kids relate to who she is as a person. And then when they find out, you know, she ran into heaven, but I, I focus on the faith that she had and the fact she knew the Lord. She had a relationship with Jesus Christ and all of that. But one day closer means a a powerful message to all kinds of folks. You know, I I have the privilege of uh, speaking to a lot of um, cancer support groups 
because I'm connected with Texas Oncology and I get to speak to, you know, recovery groups, whether it's addictions or abuse or whatever. Well, one day closer means different things to all these different groups. You know, if I'm a cancer survivor, I'm getting one day closer to my cure, you know, but ultimately the big umbrella of one day closer is to point people to Jesus and the hope that we have and the assurance of living in eternity. And if we have our loved ones that are ahead of us, you know, we're going to be reunited. So I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's funny how God works. Um, I think he has a sense of humor like you and I do. And we have to embrace the good stuff, even if we're walking through the bad stuff, if that makes any sense at all, because his light shines brightest in the darkness. And, um, you know, I tell every group I speak with, my daughter Skylar, she was 15 when she ran into heaven. But I don't refer to her in past tense. I just, I just won't. Because if I believe this book that is laying here on my desk, um, which is truth, and there is no wavering from that, and his word is alive and active, if I believe that, and if I'm truly living like I believe it, then I know I'm one day closer to her. And I say, you know what? Skylar is not in my past. She's in my future. Mm-hmm. Now, does it, does it sting? Yeah, it stings my mama heart, you know? But a, a statement that I, I like to tell other grieving parents, it's like, you know what? First of all, God made us the way we are. We're all crazy with emotions, especially us women. You know, we have crazy hormones. And I like to tell people that, you know, I've graduated from Hormone University, so I feel like I'm qualified to say this. You know, I've gone from the the pill to the patch to the pellet to the injection, so I'm already through. I think I've got my doctorate, you know what I'm saying? It's a great name for a book. (laughs) (laughs) Hormone University. (laughs) Well, what you said from the pill to the patch to the the pellet to the to the injection yes so i mean but he made those he made our hormones you know what i'm saying like he made all of us even our crazy parts and so it's okay for us to pour out all that we're feeling you know it's okay for us to to have that crazy sadness and those unstable moments you know in in anger it's okay to be mad at god i mean our kids are mad at us as parents and he's our daddy god so you know, all of that stuff is okay. So I, I tell people, you know what, if, if we all ask the question, why, when stuff happens, we always say why, because we are human beings and we want to, we want to have answers and we want to fix things. And there's some things, number one, as you know, we can't fix. And there's other things that we don't know, nor are we supposed to know, you know, because what does scripture tell us? His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts and in the Becky translation is that of that is he's smarter than we are sister I mean he's just smarter than we are he knows the full picture so I say all that to say you know if God gave me his power for one day I would change it I would because my mama heart wants her back my mama heart wants to celebrate that 26th birthday that we would have celebrated this week So if he gave me his power for one day, I would change it. But what he has taught me, and as I'm growing spiritually, is that if he gave me his wisdom for one day, I would have to leave it the same. Mm. I would. Wow. Say that again. That if God gave me his power for one day, I would change a lot. I would change it. I would change the outcome. But if he gave me his wisdom for one day, I'd have to leave it the same. And that's not easy to say. And it took me a while to realize that in my heart, you know. Um, but we have to get a po- to a point in our in our grief journey, in, in any journey that has circumstances that aren't great. You know, I mean, let's just pace, face it. I mean, life is not easy. This is not a great word to say on a podcast, but sometimes life sucks, <laughs> but that's who I am as a person. Um, yeah. and, and you just got to be real because we are, we're real people. 
live in real life, but we serve a very real Jesus and he is close to us. And even when we don't know it, he is working things out in front of us, you know, while we sleep. He he doesn't take a lunch break, you know, he doesn't take a vacation. I mean, he's daddy God. He created the heavens and the earth and he can still reach down on our broken mama hearts and he can sweep all those little fragments together and hold us, you know, when we need to be held. Um, the thing is, he gives us free will. So we have to choose that. We have to choose him. And if we if we wake up every day and choose him every day, uh, then we can keep our eyes fixed on him and that gaze and um, look straight forward like the, the ministry that that we're uh, working in as a tried to relay that message. Yeah. And I love that where you say that uh, your ministry is one day closer and it can apply to anyone, no matter what you're sure. going through, what you've been through, it applies to every group. So it's a great, it's a great name to be able to draw people from all paths yeah. into and, and to be able to pour into them. So I yeah. love that. And um, I love that profound statement that you made about that, you know, if I had all the power, yeah, I'd change it. But because of the wisdom, I would have to leave it. And that's not exactly the way you said it, but that's the cliff notes of Adria. But yeah, right. we, we have it recorded. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that was really, really a great quote. I don't know if you've ever used that quote before, but I think it's a quote you ought to use. Yeah, I use it just about every time I speak with groups. Oh, and so... Okay. Because it is one of those things that in the middle of the night, God just gave it to me and laid it on my heart. And I was like, oh, but, you know, when he does that, he's talking to us. But then if you know that it's something that's one of those, oh, I get it now, God. And if I can get it as hard headed as I am, you know, and simple minded as I am, then anybody can get it. So I feel like the stuff he gives me, I'm like, okay, I got to share that, you know. Yes. And same thing with Skylar being and she's not in my past. She's in my future. And when you speak that truth, you know, because that's what it is. It's it's Beckyized, you know, it's not in the King James Version because I have my own East Texas Southern Version, sassy Southern Version. Or as my husband says, salty. Sometimes it's salty. <laughs> but I said, you know, the salt of the earth. Well, that's back to scripture. Well, that's anyway. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm chasing some rabbits. But, hey, that's okay. Yeah, when, when, he give, when he gives us... Um, statements that are just nuggets of truth they're just camouflaged a little bit in easy language like yeah. we can understand it as simple yeah. folks then I, I think it's uh, it's to be shared you know and it's and it's powerful and uh, it's something that helped me get through every single one of those early early days because if I if I looked in my circumstance that I was walking in, you know, the fact I was walking past a bedroom that my daughter was no longer in. I was working at a school that now her name is on the building and uh, her, her locker was um, colored a different color. You know, if you, if you walk in that circumstance, that's exactly where Satan wants you. He wants you paralyzed emotionally because when you're paralyzed emotionally, you cannot work for the kingdom. You're stuck, you know, um, but if you keep your kingdom eyes wide open and you look straight ahead and, and forward, I think it's Philippians three somewhere says, focus on that one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. And then it goes on to say, I, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize, because that's what we're doing. We're pressing on uh, to receive the heavenly prize. And uh but we can't lose the fact that, yes, heaven is there. We're one day closer there. But we're also walking with him today. And he's very much alive today as he is seated at the, the right hand of the Father. So we have, to, uh, we have to embrace where we are and the fact that God gives us these testimonies for bigger purposes than we can see with our, our human eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a survival. You know this. It's just a survival. And we get to choose whether we survive it with joy or we allow the junk to pull us under. And I'm just too hard headed and too salty to let Satan 
pull me under. I, I just won't do it. I mean, in Texas, we believe a lot of stuff. You know, we believe in the Second Amendment and all that. Well, God gives us different types of weapons. And we can read Ephesians 6, and he gives us the weapons uh, that the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us and allow us to put on our armor and the, our swords and our, you know, our helmet of faith. I mean, he gives us the weapons and it may not, we don't have to lock and load it. We just have to read and consume it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's a good one too. What advice or what do you tell these teens that you speak to? What are, what are some nuggets that you share with them? Well, you know, when I speak with teenage groups, it's funny because you got to relate to them. And, uh, you know, I'm over 50 now, so I'm not near as cool as I used to be to teenagers. But I was a, t- I was a, a, a teacher and a principal um, and I, I was in education for 25 years. So, you know, I was just immature enough to act like them. So we related quite a bit. But the thing about my youngest daughter, Skylar, she was just stinking funny. Like she was animated and you know how your kid, when you have more than one kid, you have very different, God gives you different kids. And so my oldest daughter, Shelby, who's 29 now, and she's a teacher, she's a mom of three, married to a youth pastor. Well, she was kind of like that back in school. Shelby, straight A's, if she made a 95, she'd freak out. She wanted to know why it wasn't perfect. You know, she, she went off to Texas A&M for any Aggies out there and um, (laughs) magna cum laude, you know, so she did all those things. Wow. Well, Skylar was one. Of, yeah, Skylar, my youngest, when older sister went off to college, that was like awesome for Skylar because she was a sophomore then, and it was like, yes, I get the school now. You know, I don't have to walk into the shadow of my perfect older sister. And a good grade for Skylar was a C because that was my minimal requirement <laughs> as a parent because I knew. You know, so if I said, you know what, for example, in the very day that she ran into heaven, she was um, she was going to go to a um, FFA convention, an FFA uh, event down in San Antonio, Texas. And so the thing is that there was a teacher, her biology teacher the day before that told me, you know what, Skylar hasn't taken this test that she owes me because she's been missing a lot of school with extracurricular activities. Because if there was an extracurricular activity that she didn't have to go to school, that she was out of the classroom, she wanted to join that extracurricular activity. So she was living the extra. (laughs) So it wasn't (laughs) odd for her to miss homework or tests or whatever. Anyway, and so driving to school, I'm telling her that morning, I was like, Sky, you are not going to San Antonio unless you get in there, because I was taking her early, take that test. And I said, you know what? You've got to make a 75 on that test today. I'm just not going to let you go. You know, and of course, she'd look at me and grin, OK, mom, whatever. And so I'm working in the office. You know, it's crazy uh, that morning. And so here she comes. She don't even have her sneakers on. I guess she left them in the biology room and she just slides into the office and she had the test in her hand. And, you know, I told her she had to make a 75 and she slaps the paper and she goes 76. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, you know, her, it wasn't about Scaler tried not to cross the line. And I always told my students too, especially if they were in trouble, I'm like, you know what? It's not about, how close you get to that line. It's how far you stay away. Well, she was always on the line. You know what I'm saying? And she would frequent my office and it wasn't to visit mom. She would have a discipline referral in her hand because she would be talking or she'd skip class, you know, so you're getting the picture of what kind of kid scholar is. So when I talk to youth groups, I start out by telling all these scholar stories is what we refer to them as. And they're just funny. You know, she's just funny but they're all tied into faith because the interesting thing was when she ran into heaven, Skylar was one of these kids that she loved everybody. It didn't matter what their background was, uh, what they looked like, you know, it, it just, it, she just loved people. She loved um, getting to know people. She was just always uh, animated and funny and the class clown and, and that kind of kid. And, um, so when, when the tragedy happened, I had taken some time off from work 
And what I didn't realize was the school office folks had asked the, the kids and the kids kind of grabbed it and ran with it. If you want to put together a memory book in honor of Skylar with your favorite memory of her, and we're going to present that to Miss Carpenter when she gets back. And so that was one of those things I, you know, they hand it to me. I just, you know, usually your eyes leak when you're sad, but I was just gushing at that point. It's like somebody turned on the, the fire hydrant because mm. I just thought it was so sweet. And then I was like, there's no way I'm going to read this. I, I mean, it's going to wreck me. I'm not going to read this. But as I read the first story, it just, I was like, oh my goodness. Cause you know, as a parent, you think you screw everything up. You know, it's like, oh Lord, why'd you give me this kid? Because I'm going to mess this up. You know, thank you for letting me have her for a while, but I'm going to screw up Lord. I don't know what I'm doing. And so, um, but when you read the things that these kids were saying, for example, there was a, and so I, when I speak to youth, I read some of these stories so that they get to know who she is as a person. Mm. And I tell about the tragedy yeah. and then it's like, oh. but then I also come in and tell about her faith, you know? Mm. And so a, a simple story is this, this young man, he said, we, we went to, we had a smaller school. So the junior high and high school campus were under the same physical building. And he says in his writing, he said, Skylar was in junior high and I was a high school student. And she kept inviting me to FCA fellowship of Christian athletes. And I kept telling her no. And then he goes on to write one day I opened my locker and she jumped out, you know, cause Skylar was like, she was like 80 pounds soaking wet, you know, even when she's in high school. And he says, she told me, I'm going to jump out of your locker until you come to an FCA meeting. So he goes on to write about how through FCA, he came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And, you know, it's just story after story after story. And they're just cool stories because it's her personality. And yet it all leads back to her faith. And so I, I, I put it all in this bow, you know, this package for these teenagers and I usually title the messages when I speak to teens about um, leaving a legacy mm. and that they are creating their legacy. Mm. And the thing that Skylar, Skylar didn't even realize, I don't think, you know, I just think she was just so sold out with loving on people. And, you know, if we keep the gospel sim simple, love Jesus and love others, he, the Holy Spirit's going to work everything out. And that's what those stories were about. And she loved people. You know, it would be one of those things where I'd be monitoring the cafeteria and she'd be bouncing around from different groups. And I'd say, you know, I'd pull her over and I'd say, Sky, why are you hanging out with that group of kids? You know, because I knew they had rap sheets. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm the one that put them in the alternative campus three weeks ago, you know. And she'd look at me and she'd grin and she'd say, Mama, sometimes we're the only Bible people read, you know. And so she was witnessing to these kids by the way she loved them. Wow. You know, I had a young I had a young man the day, the day after the tragedy, the students did crazy sweet things. And I'm just, they're forever embedded in my heart. And one of the things they, they put together was a candlelight service at the school the day after. And um, you know how some students as when you're in the school business, you know, the personal lives of these kids, you know, and a lot of times the students don't know the personal lives of their peers, but as adults, we try to plug into what's going on in the homes and things. So there's a young man, he, he lived, a, a, he didn't have a great life. You know, he many times went home and he didn't have electricity. So this kid would come to school and he may be wearing the same clothes and, and he was very introverted. And I'll never forget. Cause you know, those few, several, uh, days, weeks, months, you're kind of in a, in a fog, but I'll never forget him coming up to me at that candlelight service. And he looked up and he just had crocodile tears in his eyes. And he said, Miss C. Y. Schuyler, she was the only kid who was nice to me, mm. you know? And so when you hear those stories, so when I talk to these teenagers, you know, I tell them those kind of hard stories. I tell them about she was the kid that would go and sit with new kids at the school in the cafeteria. She was the kid that if somebody messed up, even when she was little in elementary, before she had accepted the Lord, you know, if she, she would play sports like little dribblers. So some of the stories would, would talk about how they would mess up and be embarrassed on the, on the court. Well, Skylar would intentionally mess up or fall down or something to take the attention off of those kids, you know, 
she would, she got one time she got into a fight in elementary and she hit this kid. Well, I, I hear the backstory in the thing that this kid was making fun of a special needs kid. And Skylar just went up to him and walked him, you know, and she was like in the fourth grade. <laughs> so I say all of that to say, and I could go on and on and on about that, but teenagers and young people, they need to know, you know, they are leaving a legacy. They're, they don't think about it because they're not old like I am. You're younger than me, but they're not old no, like I'm me. I'm the same age as you are. <laughs> And so, you know, when we're in, when we're post 50, we yeah. begin to look, think about what are what are we leaving? You know, what are we going to be remembered by? Mm. And I try to instill the power in the legacy they're leaving now because they're creating it even as young people, because they're you know, we have been blessed as a, as a family to have such an outpouring from Schuyler's tragedy. And it, it because it was a school event that she lost her life when she ran into heaven on that day they were traveling as a as a school and so it was very public it was a lot of media coverage and because it, it, she was headed to ffa that's a national organization you know so word got around and out of that tragedy though we've been able to reach kids all over the united states and even in foreign countries um, we've been to Guatemala, Honduras, Haiti, um, and, and, and you're, you're ultimately letting and encouraging people to not only know about the Lord, but the fact that he has chosen us, you know, he is choosing his children, regardless of what your age is, and you're working for him, even if you don't even realize it, and if you break it down and just love him and love others, we just don't know what he's going to create out of that. I mean, he created the world. So somebody's smile, somebody's joke, somebody just helping another person walking down the hallway, pick up their books, you know, somebody taken up for another kid that's being bullied. Um, that could be a turning point in their life because we don't know what they're going through. We don't know what they go home to. And everybody, whether you're 5, 15, or 55, we can, we can pour love into other people and joy, as you, as you so well say in your ministry. And because joy comes from the Lord. I mean, there's a big difference in being happy and being joy-filled. Oh, yeah. And are we happy that our kids are in heaven? Uh, well, yes, we're happy they're in heaven, but we're not happy that we're separated from them. But we can be joy filled knowing where they are, who they're with, and the fact that we're going to get there. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's <laughs> yeah. simple as that. That's right. uh, and that's not the King, that's not the King James Version. That's just the facts of God's word tells us that. And yeah. so uh, I love how you say that. You know, a lot, often when we get older, 50, whatever, we <laughs> start saying, well, what kind of a legacy are we going to leave? Why don't we start when we're teenagers? Why don't we start when we're that young and think about the impact that we are leaving, just like Skylar. I mean, her short life, look at the people's lives that she impacted. And yeah. you were able to be able to get a glimpse into that, which really helps to put a little salve on your wound that you have. And I just love all of those stories, but I think it is information for young people, teenagers, even elementary, middle school, to hear that their life can be a legacy now and into the future, you are touching lives every moment that you are breathing. And so I love that beautiful expression of what you just shared and how just in those few examples of people at school that people really didn't care about necessarily, or that were really living a tough life, how she just invested even a few minutes each day with encouragement and smiles 
and really did have an impact on people's lives. Because of, of that and how we've seen that develop, you know, and, and it's just been contagious, you know. My oldest daughter, Shelby, after the, the wreck, a couple a couple years after Skylar ran into heaven, she actually came to me and she says, Mom, I really, I really want to, to do something in honor of Skylar and I want to know what you think about it. And so out of the tragedy birthed an annual conference that Shelby and now her husband, who's a youth pastor, head up. And it's called Ignite Your Legacy Girls Conference. Um, it, it has developed and grown here in East Texas. We bring in a, a Christian artist. You know, we've had some great Christian artists that the kids are automatically drawn to. And they come and, gosh, we've had as many as four and 450, 500 kid, girls. That's how we change the world, sister. We change the world one heart at a time. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the messages. As Skylar's mom, you know, she was a sophomore and I always knew she wanted to, she, she would always tell us she wanted to be a geriatrics nurse because she loved older folks. She loved mm -hmm. hanging out with them. You know, she, she was just a funny kid. And our, our high school was right next to an assisted living. And during the summer when I had to work, she would go hang out with her friends. That was her friend's. And you know how we do things, we make our kids do stuff and, and they hate it like piano lessons. Yeah. Uh, she did take piano lessons. She loved her piano instructor, uh, but she hated piano lessons. But one day I had to pick her up early. So I went over to the assisted living to get her and she was at the piano playing Amazing Grace with all of her little elderly friends, <laughs> you know, singing the song. I mean, it's just the cutest. So anyway, but she would, that's what I thought she wanted to be when she grew up. Uh, that's what she would tell us. But I had all these different groups of kids that came up after the tragedy and they're like, Miss C, that's not what she told me. She would say to them, God's going to use you. He's going to use me and I'm going to be the one to change the world. Wow. And the cool, thing, the cool thing is, and this is part of, you know, part of the message too, that I talked to kids is she had drawn this sketch. It was an illustration and she did it in art class just a few weeks before the tragedy. And that illustration is a sketch of the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And she titled that illustration, Lifetime of Our Lifeline. And her art teacher came to me and said, Becky, she was so excited when she came up with that title because she wanted others to know that Jesus was our lifeline now while we're here. Mm. And see, ironically is a few weeks after she finished that drawing, she ran into heaven. And so I say that to say that drawing right now is up in three high school campuses in the country of Honduras, because I had the opportunity of going over there, not intending on speaking and ended up speaking to youth and a lot of these kids. Um, this is how the Holy spirit is powerful. And he works through translators these came, kids came to know the Lord and the uh, principal of these schools, he came to me at the end of that trip and said, if it's okay with you, I would like to take that drawing and blow it up large scale and hang it in my schools. And so, you know, here I go back on the plane to go home and I'm just like a blubbering nut thinking, oh my gosh, she's changing the world one heart at a time, you know, like in another country. So, uh -huh. um, it's just a, you know, it's a journey that we don't want to be on, but when you see and feel and experience the presence of the Lord in all of it, and especially when we're in the ditch, you know, cause you know, as well as I do, you have those, those times that you're caught off guard and things oh, don't yeah. go well. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's when he just reaches down and he just, like the scripture says, he pulls us out of that deep water. He rescues us. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's done that a lot because I'm somebody that needs to be rescued. I don't know about you. But, uh, <laughs> that is some, wow, some beautiful stories there. Very touching. Now, don't go snotting <laughs> on the keyboard because then I'll have to, I don't ever let anybody snot alone. <laughs> but it's okay, you know, to cry. Yeah. It's okay to be emotional um, because it's a good cry. You know, you just remember those memories that you have. Um, 
Well, Skylar um, truly has left a legacy. And I mean, just today, you sharing her story, it just warms my heart. Just I feel like I've, I know her and never met her. I kind of want to ask you um, a little bit deeper question. And, you know, I always say, hey, when we're in this club, we're allowed to ask whatever we want. <laughs> That's true. And we're allowed to answer however we want to, filtered or not, right? <laughs> That's right. What was it like when you drove up and you found out that there was a bus wreck, but not only that, that your child was the only one that was significantly impacted by that? What does that feel like? Well, I guess that would be the, there was a couple things that happened before I got to the scene. One was when the phone call came in that the kids had been in an accident, they were, they weren't actually in a bus. They were in uh, different vehicles because it was an ag mechanics team. And so oh. they, they were pulling projects on trailers too, because oh. ag mechanics is welding projects. And so she was in a suburban, oh. um, her, she was one of six kids in a suburban, but other kids were in other vehicles. So they were caravanning down. Okay. But when the phone call came in, you know, I immediately picked up my phone and dialed Skylar's cell phone and it didn't answer, but it was a bizarre feeling just moments before the call came in that I just had this just sensation throughout my body that something was wrong. Um, but it wasn't like a, Oh my goodness sensation. It was like something is wrong. And then the phone call rang, the phone rings. And when the secretary secretary said the kids had been in an accident, I, uh, when I, after I tried to call Skylar and then I tried to call the ag teacher and neither one of them answered, I immediately grabbed my keys and ran out the back door to the parking lot. And I remember just getting in the car and I always listen to um, Christian music, not country music, Christian music. And um, I had the radio dial where it always is on our local Christian radio station. And I, I turned the car on and I'm just going, Lord, get me there. You know, that was just my objective. Get me to the scene. Cause they were about 40 minutes away mm. is where it happened. And as soon as I cranked the car, the song light up the sky came on by the afters. Mm. And the lyrics of that song is light, light, light up the sky, light up the sky. Know that I am with you. But the thing is that most people didn't know that was Skylar's favorite song. Really? Like that, she, she loved the song because she always listened to Christian music too. both of my girls you know, the good stuff in gets the good stuff out, you know what I'm saying? So that's what we listen to as a family, but it had her name in it, you know? So that's why she also thought it was cool because oh, we all call, we always call Skylar Sky, you know, so that was her nickname, Sky. And oh. so um, to me, that was like God just reaching down, letting me know his presence was there from the moment I got into the car and then I drove to the scene. And then on the, on the drive, there's not a lot that I remember, but there were bits and pieces I remember, you know, the school calling me because some of my friends who I worked with were in cars behind me. You know, they they knew a little bit more. They knew that the the, the accident was very, very bad and because they were receiving calls from the teachers who were on the trip and the people around them who were on the trip. So they knew more than I did. I was just trying to get there, but I was trying to call my husband and uh, couldn't get him. And and I made the call to um, Texas A&M where my oldest daughter was and she didn't answer. And so on the drive, I did receive a phone call from my husband because the, we had gotten in touch. Somebody had gotten in touch with him and he, he said these words, she's gone. Our baby is gone while I was driving because he had actually talked to the ag teacher. And I just remember hanging up the phone with him. And then uh, I called my oldest daughter's boyfriend at the time. And he had heard of the wreck, you know, because he's down in Aggie land also. And he said, Miss Carpenter, I'm standing outside of her dorm. What do, what do you want me to do? And he was very upset. And I said, I want you to bring her home. And so I called her back and she did answer this time and she was very calm. So you got you to gotta understand, I'm telling you all these details because of the presence of God in all of this. So when my husband called me, he was a little bit, uh, he was very elevated, you know, and so my heart was just already crushed because I, I knew the news. And yet when Shelby, my oldest daughter, answered the phone, she was calm. And I said, your sister's been in a terrible wreck, Shelby. I need, jo I, I told her that her, her boyfriend was outside the door and he's going to bring her home. And she said, okay, mom. 
What I didn't know until later is the reason she had not answered her phone the first time I called her. She was upset and telling her roommate that she had taken a nap that day because she had an early morning exam. She was telling her roommate that she had uh, she had she had a dream that her younger sister was killed in a car wreck. Oh, my goodness. And so it's almost like God prepared her that that was not going to be shocking news so that she wouldn't react to me because I'm still driving to the scene. And so when I get to the scene, so it's like God, he literally had his hand on me that whole drive. And when I get there, it's just like this crazy movie scene because there's helicopters because the media was there and they were they had to helicopter one of the students, too. And I just drove up through all the cars and I just remember clutching my steering wheel. And I'm looking at this horrific sight because they're, the vehicle that Skylar was in was upside down. Uh, there was debris everywhere. And you have to understand the morning of the wreck. I followed her out to the shop and I was doing what all moms do, you know, trying to embarrass your kid. And I was like, are you sure you don't want mom to go on this trip? Because as you know, one of the luxuries of working in the school, you've got to be a chaperone and she didn't want me to go. And so when I said that to her, I was like, Oh, Skylar, you're going to miss mom. You know, you sure you don't want me to go. And she looked at me and she goes, mom, I can make this trip on my own. You know, thank you very much in her sarcastic uh, tone. And so those were the last words that she told me, because mm-hmm. when I get got there, I'm just like, Lord, I can't do this. Like I at that point, I was crying out to him not for help. I was letting him know, no, 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 I'm not going to do this because I already knew that Skylar wasn't with us any longer. And I'm looking at this debris field and this chaos. And just as I'm speaking with you, I heard this loud, these loud two voice, two words um, in my spirit. And it was I'm here. And I knew he was, I knew he was. And that those two words really launched me from being a complacent Christian taking for granted my faith, you know, cause we could check the box as a family. We did youth trips. I taught Sunday school. My husband was a worship leader. Our kids were very involved in youth choir. And in the back of my mind, I think we put our relationship with Jesus just in the middle of all of that, instead of ahead of all of that, if that makes sense. But when he said, I'm here, I knew he was here. And I look over and I see all of these teenagers and they had witnessed a horrific thing because as they were caravanning, you have to understand there was a a group of teenagers behind that suburban and they saw that suburban veer off the road, overcorrect and then go tumbling and so they saw things with their eyes that no, nobody, not, not certainly not young people should see um, that day. And so, again, God carried me out of the vehicle. He carried me over there where I was able to say something to those teenagers. To this day, I don't even know what I said. I know the people that were there uh, said that it gave them comfort. And I can only attribute that to the grace of the Lord and using this very broken vessel who realized it wasn't just a student that was the one fatality. It was my own daughter um, that day. And so I say all this to say he guarded my heart. You know, he guarded my heart so he could get me through that visual, that scene. Uh, he's guarded my heart and my eyes and my memory of a lot of that. And I'm thankful for that. I remember bits and pieces. I remember a precious, precious lady coming up to me that day. Um, she, I later find out she was coming home from work early. She never comes that route. And she was one of the first people that came up on the scene. And she walked up to me and I remember her face. I remember her words. And she just grabbed my hand and she said, I, I held Skylar's hand for you. Hmm. You know, so, um, It wasn't until about two years later that I found this lady again and I walked up to her door and rang her doorbell. And when I opened the door, she said, you're Skylar's mom. I've been expecting you, you know, but it was two years later. So I'm saying God orchestrated his presence and his people being used. Another person I looked up and saw at the scene was our pastor. He happened to be coming back from Dallas on that same interstate. The phone call came in that a group of the students were in a terrible wreck. And he was like, I'm 15 minutes from them. And so he was at the scene about the same time I was at, you know. So it's like as much as I could look back and and 
say how this is something that you're not going to be able to survive going through it. I say again, God's presence was there. He does give us some sort of comfort beyond understanding, you know, I mean, beyond our human mind. Uh, And again, it goes back to scripture because uh, you you can't make audible the power that he has Mm. and how much he can reach in and control your words, control your reactions. And uh, that's what he did that day, because I think for the sake of the whole picture, you know, we can't see the whole picture, but those young people, they were watching me come up there. You know, they watched me get out of the vehicle. They, and they're, we're, we're a, to, a, a close group. And I believe he, he directed my steps. He directed my words because you've got a whole bunch of people that are watching what's going to happen. And to me, looking back, cause you know, now that was 2011. That's our Christian walk. That is our Christian walk as faith followers, as followers of Jesus Christ, as his disciples, people are watching us mm-hmm. and they've got to see that we're different because if they don't see we're different, what is the attraction to come to know our supernatural God, you know, yeah. our extraordinary savior. I mean, they've got to see that he changes us, that we can handle this, the tough stuff. Um, because it, in, in the end, it wasn't me handling it at all. It wasn't Becky. It wasn't my mama heart. Cause I'd have been a, you know, crazy person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I love that. Well, I don't love it, but I, I, I really like this statement that when, when you were wanting to go with Skylar that day as a chaperone, she said, mama, I want to make, I'm going to make this trip on my own. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you've yep. thought about that before too. Well, that's a message too. You know, I mean, we all have to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and savior. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's statements like that that are elevated in my heart and elevated in my mind. And, and the Lord, again, does that. He just does it that people have got to they got to realize this ain't it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's hope. There's more. There's you know, there's eternity that's so much longer than what we're living through. And so there's nothing here on Earth that we can't go through. But the key word is through. You know, we have to look through it. We have to walk through it. And some some things aren't meant to be fixed. They're meant to be carried. So we, we got to get through it because there is hope on the other side. Mm-hmm. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and um, it doesn't matter if it's a crowd of 10 or, or a thousand, we're going to share the gospel because at the end of the day, the testimonies are not effective uh, and we're not doing our job as disciples if we don't share why the testimonies are given to us. And I do see that as the Lord allows these things because he does know the bigger purpose. Mm -hmm. How can people still have joy when the worst tragedy hits your home? Well, like you said, it's easy. Jesus answer. And I have to go back to scripture because it, that, that scripture that says a piece that surpasses our understanding, uh, and that, that is true, but it is hard to articulate that. It is. For me, you know, I, I talk about our little, what the tools that the Lord gives us, and that's obviously his word. And then that open communication line of prayer. And I, I really dumb that down because I'm not a formal prayer. I'm just somebody that talks to, I call it my Jesus chats. And then your community of folks. So those are like the, the, the easy answer, you know. But there's something else that the Lord gives me that is exactly when I need it but always unexpected. And that's the little God wings. He just gives these little God wings. And it's like, uh, it's a reminder to your heart. It's always related to Skylar for me. You know what I'm saying? Like he knows that's my soft spot. It's not creepy where I think, you know, Skylar has done this. No, it's the Lord putting something in front of me that reminds me of Skylar. And what that's doing, it's reminding me that his hand is still on me. So the God winks, is him reaching down from on high and grabbing a hold of this dysfunctional servant that he's called to use a testimony. And those God winks are powerful. One time I was having a Becky moment. I was, um, it goes right back to who she is. So Shelby, my oldest daughter, she always kept her room nice and neat and clean. Always did. Like she labeled her clothes when she was in the third grade. This is what I'm going to wear on Monday, Tuesday. That's who she is. Skylar, no, not so much. 
and, and here's the story. I was up in the attic and I was clearing things out. We were getting ready to put our home on the market. Now this was, you know, several years away from the tragedy. So, but I just had one of those moments because I walk up in the attic and there's all these trash bags. I'm like, what are these trash bags doing in the attic? And I, I ripped one of them open and it just caught me off guard. It was Skylar's clothes. Okay, well, what's the backstory? Every time I asked her to clean her room, what'd she do? Because I'd go in the room and it'd be clean. She was putting her stuff in these trash bags and taking it up to the attic. That's the kind of kid she was. She's crazy, funny kid. Anyway, but it caught me off guard because I'm like, oh my God. You know, it's just things I wasn't, Becky being the, you know, teacher, principal, I wasn't prepared to see that, you know? And so when I ripped it open, man, I, 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 <laughs> I call it, I got to call them a crazy, you know, because mm-hmm. when the crazy gets out, I was just like, oh my gosh, Lord, really? I need to get this done. And this is happening. You know, so I was being mad at the Lord and, and yelling at him a little bit. And, and I'm ripping these bags open. I, I mean, I was saying words that was not nice words, but let's just be real because we're real, real people doing real life. And so I'm ripping these bags open and sure enough, out of the blue, I, I ripped this one bag open in pile of her clothes and her converses and all of her stuff is just piled right there in just the t-shirt that is laying right in the middle. And I use this when I talk to groups because I have the, I took the picture. I had to take the picture. It's an old t-shirt of scholars. And it says, she was a little girl and it says somebody in heaven loves you. Mm. And those are the God wings. You know what I'm saying? It's like I was having a moment. My, my crazy needed to be calmed and he did it. I ripped that and that was like the fourth bag, you know, so I had a good little tangent before I got to that. And when I ripped that bag open, it was like, he went, Woof. Mm. yeah, I still have you. I still got you. Wow. And uh, so how do I have joy? He reminds me where my joy comes from. He just does. So there's, for me, there's no other answer than to point it right back to Jesus, but it's real life, practical things and I think when we point our eyes on where we're supposed to keep them pointed, and that's off the news, that's off our own life wrecks, it's off our own illnesses and divorces, and it doesn't matter what your circumstance is. And for you and I, it's child loss. You can't fix it, but you have to carry it. And so we get to choose where are our eyes focused. And when we're focused on him, he's going. we're going to see him. If we're not focused on him, we're not going to see him. I would have kept ripping up bags and having a tantrum. Right. So that's why. I mean, that's why my podcast is called "Look Out for Joy." <laughs> there you go. Look out you, because you, you have, have to, be, to the, be looking. Yeah, it's not like we're going through our day going, "Okay, God, give me a God way." It's not. But if we're in His Word, if we're surrounding ourselves with Christian music, if we are plugged in, then He's going. We're going to see it because I believe I miss a lot of it. You know, I yep. mean, I believe. It, it happens every single day if yep. you're a true follower, but I do think I still miss them. Oh, and yeah. so I, I want those things. I want to cling to that reality that he's present in my life because I think it's pretty cool, sister, that the guy that's holding my daughter is also holding me. 